Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. Joining me is someone who I, I wasn't sure what happened to his company. I heard about it for years. Let me introduce you, actually, before I tell your story. Dmitry Leonov is the founder of SaneBox. I've become a customer of theirs. What they do is basically hook into my email, and they sort my mail. Anything that doesn't seem important, they bucket and keep away from me, and I can go look at it. I choose to look at it once a day. Anything that I want them to automatically delete or automatically file away, they automatically file it away. And basically what they've done is made my email sane. That's why the company is called SaneBox. My assistant, Andrea, has been going through my email with me for years. She doesn't have to do it with me anymore. I wonder if she's upset about that or if she's happy to get out of my inbox. But either way, she's not in my inbox anymore. Anyway, so... I thought Box was killing it for a while. I remember Tony Robbins being on the homepage. I think, wasn't Heaton Shaw also talking about you, the software entrepreneur? He was, right? Yeah. And then yeah. I stopped hearing about you and I wondered, did Gmail kill the company? Did something else happen to the business? And I kind of lost track. And truthfully, we had an interview scheduled with Dimitri about half a decade ago. That's how long I've been doing this. We did a pre-interview for one reason or another. We didn't get it done. And now as as a passionate customer, I said, we should get the founder on. And then Andrea said, you know, we have this pre-interview. Why don't you just use that? And what happened? Anyway, I'm glad uh, I don't exactly know what happened that dropped that where we dropped the ball. We're much more organized now than we were half a decade ago. <laughs> we will find out. Here's what I want to find out in this interview. Number one, how you came up with this idea. Number two, how you bootstrapped something like this software company. It's simple. It's clear how you bootstrapped Sanebox. Uh, number three, what happens in that latter stage of a company when you're not selling it and you're not in like triple digit growth where every year you're doubling and tripling and quadrupling your sales, you know? And finally, as a customer, I've got some customer service issues that I'm going to go directly to the founder with. <laughs> Mostly this is a, um, a story of, of an entrepreneur Simple idea, doing well. I want to find out how he did it. And I could do it thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, if you're hosting a website, you want to know about HostGator. And I want you to go sign up at HostGator.com slash Mixergy. And the second doesn't even want me to promote them. They just want you to know that they encourage me to write a guide about how I do interviews or actually how I have conversations and to offer it for free on one of their landing pages. If you go to Unbounce.com slash Mixergy, you'll see no promotion for my sponsor. You'll see just one button where you can, without even giving an email address, get my guide to having better conversations. It's unbalanced.com slash Mixergy. All right, sponsorship out of the way, intro out of the way. Dimitri, tell me what your revenue is. Come on, how much are you doing? I'll tell you we're doing, um, you know, single, high single digits revenue numbers. Millions. Yeah. Impressive. Any outside funding? No, no. Bottom line, um, net profits, can we say they're more than 50%? So more than one out of every dollar in revenue goes to the bottom line? So it's a little less than that. And can you give me a sense of churn? So this is one one of the best things about our, our business. The churn is really low. I think it's about one and a half percent per month. And most of that is people who do monthly. Uh, so we have our subscription model is we have a two-week trial. And after the two weeks, everyone has to pay. So there's no free product. And on average, the, the organic uh, conversion rate from trials to paying customer is uh, it's about 20, 25%. So, That's so about a quarter. Yeah. Like a quarter of people that try the product actually pay us a hundred dollars after uh, after the trial. The churn to me is the most impressive. Yeah. I, I would have thought that even more people would churn out because maybe they have their email organized and they decide that they're done with it. No, you can't because you want to organize every day. New email comes in, and every day you want yeah. that email to be organized. Yeah. Um, can we say where you are in the world? 
Okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> I know this is something that you were hesitant about, so. <laughs> I am in uh, Costa Rica uh, for the last uh, last couple of weeks. I'll tell you why I want to ask that. I want to get a sense of the lifestyle that comes from a business like this. I don't just want to see the numbers. I wonder why are you hesitant to talk about you're in a beautiful country, beautiful environment. It's inspiring to be in a good place that inspires you, right? I, I love it. I just don't want to make everyone else jealous uh, mm. or, and drive up the, uh, the the prices here in Costa Rica. I'm just kidding. Just kidding about the second part. I get it. All right. Let's talk about how you, you got into this. You're a guy who for a long time worked as, as what? What did you do at Yahoo? I did a few things from um, kind of, uh, I guess, marketing and not, not so much okay sales strategy and business development is kind of my my original role and then i um I developed our partnership channel in international markets just doing a lot of business development deals with different companies around the world i think what happened was you came to yahoo from overture overture used to do exactly. those basically what's ad not ad sense ad uh, ad words right yeah, they, exactly. they were the original inventors of ad words yeah. then google copied them Yahoo bought them. And then at the top of every search result were those overture ads. That's what you did. And then you worked at Yahoo. You expanded it internationally. You seem to have a pretty damn good life. Am I right about that? Yeah, that's great. Right? <laughs> what was a typical day like working at Yahoo? You know, this was the early 2000s. And we were, you know, I was young and so was everyone else. And it was just really fun. It was a great environment. Uh, and I want to, you know, just uh, you, didn't, you didn't ask me this question, but this is one of my favorite stories, and I, I want to. I think this would be really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so, Overture did invent paid search, right? So, when you go on a to search on Google, the top listings that say "ad," um, that that was we came up with that idea. So then Google copied us, but they didn't just copy us. They the, the Overture algorithm was based on how the, it was just a pure um, auction. So the more you pay, the higher up you show up. What Google did is they added one tiny, tiny thing. They added the, they call it the quality score. So how relevant is the ad to the, to the user? And that changed, and so the idea is that if you're just paying a ton of money, but the ad is not relevant, uh, it shouldn't be showing up high because it's a bad customer experience. So Google added basically like the, some, very, um, uh, some number of quality kind of components into it. Yep. The monetization went up, I think, about 10x. I didn't realize so that. Okay. And because of that, um, the, then that allowed them to also go to publishers, other publishers, and place search and what became AdSense on, on publishers' sites as well. And because they were monetizing 10x more than what Overture was doing, they very quickly took over the market. And so, like, to me, this is such a good, a good example of how, like, the first mover advantage is not that helpful in many cases. And being the second mover uh, is really helpful. They ended up paying us, I think, half a billion dollars in, um, you know, for, for the patents. Uh, but that wasn't nearly enough <laughs> compared to what they're making in revenue. I think the, the way that Overture did it also had another disadvantage. People like me would game it. I would pay a lot for those ads just so I could show up at the top of a search result and discourage people from clicking. So you could imagine something like a Mixergy ad Maybe instead of paying $1 per click, which is what I would want to do, I would pay $10 per click so that I know I show up at the top of the results. And my ad would just be, next time you're in your podcast app, look for Mixergy, right? So there's no incentive to click 
And obviously I'm, I'm using really dramatic example, but that is the type of thing that we did at the time. All right. So you work there, you were doing well for yourself. You then said, I've got an idea for a company. I looked at your LinkedIn profile. It looks like it was called Wanto or want to, right? <laughs> Which is, yeah, a tw- what was the idea behind want, uh, want to, the idea that you left Yahoo to go pursue? Sure. So the idea was interesting is um, basically the, at the time Twitter was getting started. Facebook was, I think, just getting started. And the idea was uh, social media was all about what you're doing right now. And I was coming from the background of um, search advertising, where you're it's all focused on what you want to do and what do you want to buy. Right. So like the, your future. So a lot more purchase intent. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of, of want to was to essentially create a kind of goal oriented social network where you could put. Uh, instead of, hey, I'm on Twitter, I'm doing this, uh, you would put, I want to do this. And then the, I mean, from what, what I was seeing, the monetization of that traffic would be you know, order of magnitude higher. And so what happened with that company? Um, it lasted for about a year. Um, and I shut it down pretty quickly, realizing that it was a, a solution for a problem that didn't exist. Mm. Um, and and so around that time, um, I um, have you know, came across uh, Stuart. And uh, so Stuart Roseman is actually, he's the original founder of Sandbox. So I joined when we were in alpha. um, And there was uh, just, you know, a couple of engineers uh, working on this idea. And at the time, I was kind of starting to really start to see how email was becoming a huge problem. And it was an actual problem that needed to get solved that people would happily pay money for. Um, and what's interesting is at the time, it wasn't even as big of an issue as it is now. Um, we were back then, we, we only started seeing uh, famous people. So like the CEOs and VCs and bloggers starting to complain about email. Like there was Meaning no only there, there. There was a problem of spam. By around exactly. the time that you launched 2010, spam was becoming less of an issue because Google was getting really good at catching spam and then other platforms caught up. But the problem was for people who had big audiences, big constituents, they were getting a lot of messages. They weren't like buy Viagra type spam, but they were messages that are out of control and often unwanted. And I remember I was facing that even back then, 2010. How did you connect with Stuart, who created the company just before you connected with him? Somebody sent me a link. Um, and just said, here's and- a good product. Go take go take a look. Well, yeah, I was, I was working on something. Uh, I was trying to figure out how to like, use the just the standard gmail filters and, and hack something together that would make it more more productized and it was a difficult problem to solve meaning you and were already I, starting to think how can i solve this problem for people maybe exactly. all, yeah, maybe yeah. you're going to hack their filters in gmail and organize right. the filters then he had something completely different okay and someone said check different. out what this guy's doing yeah exactly okay there's different better um <laughs> very difficult problem uh, but the solution is is it's let's see it's easy but not Sorry, it's simple but not easy. I forget the expression, but it's uh, it's hard to, to do it, but it's easy to describe. Okay, and so that makes sense. He already had it done. How far had he come with it? I think we had like less than a hundred users, just alpha. Free users. Yeah. And what did the software do at the time? Uh, so at the time, it was only a Gmail um, plugin. So it only worked on top of Gmail. Now we're, I mean, well, not even now. Very, very soon after that, we started supporting literally every email. How did it work on Gmail? Was it using the IMAP connection that Gmail enabled? Yeah, yeah, it was. So just Mm -hmm. universal access to Gmail, and 
uh, all it had to do was do what? What was it doing at the time that you launched, at the time that Stuart had it before you partnered up with him? Sure. Well, so what we realized is uh, the well, look, prioritizing email is actually surprisingly difficult um, because and specifically looking at the text of the email is really, really difficult. Um, and especially if somebody's trying to game the system, it's like it's very easy for them to game it. And so the solution that, that we came up with is by looking at the uh, the headers of the email, so meaning the, the data that comes in, the email header. Most people don't know what that is. Uh, there's no text. There's no nothing sensitive there. It's just you know metadata. And um, by looking at the data, it's specifically looking at how you interact with your inbox. So when you first sign up uh, for Sandbox, then or even today, we start analyzing your email history. And so depending okay. on um, how much email you have, it could take minutes or hours. And uh, we essentially look at which emails do you open, which emails do you respond to, how quickly you open them, how quickly you respond, how often um, the communication happens, who introduced you, how far back, and so on. And so based on this, we know what you consider important. And we just you know, keep the important stuff in your inbox and move all of the unimportant stuff into a separate folder. That was based kind of, on that how I handled it in the past. And mm -hmm. that's the way yeah. you did it before. Okay. Exactly. If you saw that that's what he did and you were pursuing the filter hack solution, mm -hmm. why didn't you just say, I see where he's going with this. I can do better. I, I'll just take on the idea. All he, all he had then was the approach to the same problem you were dealing with. Why not just shift to take his approach instead of working with him? Okay, well, I think there's there's two answers to that question. One is um, and the moral issue, and the, the second one is it's a really difficult problem. It's it's you know the problem with just email in general. And I you know there's a kind of a community of email startups. Um, all of us complain about how difficult email is. Um, email is not really a product. It's a it's a protocol, mm -hmm. um, which is antique, right? It's like one of the oldest freaking protocols that that exists on the internet. And it is not really designed for scale. There, like, there's all sorts of issues with it. There's every, and at the time people were, were using um, Exchange a lot more than they do now. Um, so, so Gmail treats email completely differently from Exchange, for example, right? Which then treats it completely differently, differently from Yahoo or someone else. And then on top of that, many exchange implementations are different from, from one another. So it's just, it's a really messy, difficult beast. Uh, and there's a lot of edge cases. There's a lot of um, just nuances. to. So are you saying the answer is that he, he and his team could implement it and you didn't think you could implement it on your own? You're a smart guy. You have access to developers. Look, you're, you're, as soon as I said that, you took umbrage with that. Don't tell me I can't do it. You could have done it, right? <laughs> so why, why'd you need them? Um, well, I get two two reasons. One is it would be pretty immoral to to just take okay. that. Oh, yeah. I mean, taking the idea of just solving email. I, I get yeah. Morality is one one aspect of it, and the second one is I realizing how it actually is quite quite difficult. Um, it does take a lot of it. Already did take some a lot of engineering time, but then. Mm -hmm. You know, over the last, what has been, what, nine years, um, we've continued to build the product and expand on it. And it, it's, we're, there's just, it never ends. You know, there, there's always more. So you just um, felt, all right, this team has figured out the direction. They also figured out the implementation. I'm looking at the early version of the site. It was 
Stuart, Chris, and JD, they had experience, <laughs> they're posting on their site, working at Gamesville, Lycos, uh, Photo right. Bucket to give you a sense of where they were. Yeah. What did you have to bring to the table then? Uh, well, they were, they are, all of them are essentially engineers. Okay. And I, I'm the, the quintessential non-engineer. Got it. You're the person who was talking to customers about buying ads on on uh, Yahoo. You have the experience selling. Okay. Did you? What was the partnership that you ended up coming up with? Um, well, that's you know that's a little private, but uh, but did you end up with like a a split essentially with the with with Stuart, Chris, and D, JD? Were they all owners? Um, well, Stuart was the main owner. Um, okay. I'm now I, I became the second largest shareholder. Okay. All right. So there's some way that you came in. Got it. All right. Um, what's the first, since you're the salesperson, what's the first thing that you were able to add to the company? Well, so, you know, we got pretty lucky. So in the beginning, um, because it was a problem for, uh, we call them famous people. So there's a lot of VCs, a lot of guys on, you know, who are very active on Twitter, um, yep. for example. Right. So, so a lot of the word spread that way. Um, then we, you know, we we got a lot of uh, good PR, right? So we got written up and TechCrunch and Mashable and all. Was all that of you the... bringing in all that PR? Um, yeah, yeah. So I, TechCrunch was interesting. There was a, a I met John Orland. Who, hey John, if you're if you're listening, it's been a while. Um, at uh, I think South by Southwest. Speaking of Austin. And uh, we just kind of connected and kept, uh, kept in touch. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I saw on the original version of the site, the creator said, here's who we are and here's why we're doing this. And then they linked out to Fred Wilson, a well-known investor. He had a set of articles about the problem with email. Um, Michael Arrington, who founded TechCrunch, was really loud talking about the problem and others. Okay, so you just said, these are the people who inspired us. Let's go back and make sure that we get some publicity from our users <laughs> and right. And yeah. say, we've solved this problem for them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Dimitri, the, the issue that I always had with using Sanebox was, I don't know who's going to look at my email. They don't even have their freaking last names on the site in the, in the launch uh, post. So <laughs> now I'm going to trust them with my inbox and it's, and I, especially after moving to San Francisco, I've seen horror stories of what people do once they get access to your account, not just email, right? The famous one that everyone talks about is Uber, but it is no, by no means an Uber problem. I think Uber just took all the heat for everything that every God mode creator in Silicon Valley did, which is go into the account, see who's there. Um, how did you assuage people who are, yes, famous, but also so tech savvy and protective that they don't want to trust some dude with their sure. whole inbox? Well, you know, to be honest with you, that, that prop, that's a bigger problem for less tech savvy people who are, okay, um, Michael Harrington knows that uh, Gmail, that, that there's no such, really such thing as privacy, right? So if you want encrypted email, you should no, sure there email. is. It, individual emails can be maybe intercepted, but my whole inbox, if it's with Gmail, it's safe. There's no human, there's very, there's not a likelihood right. that a human being at, at Google is going through my inbox, right? 
You're smiling yeah, as I say this. But you're gonna you're gonna get ads served to you, right? Based on the content of your emails. Not anymore, but yes, at the time, absolutely. Yeah, but that exactly. was that was machines reading my email and processing it. It's the right. same way as the machine would read the HTML in my email and then serve it up as bold or italics. It's not a human being reading it and saying <laughs> he just said the italic code, right? So but they weren't cautious. It seems like you're saying, Andrew, that wasn't an issue. You're you're making a big deal out of it, but it wasn't an issue for the people who are signing up. Well, let me, let me, no, no, no. It's definitely a big issue for, I guess my point is it's a bigger issue for other people, for, for everyone, right? It is probably our number one issue because basically what we're asking them to do is uh, give us full access to, it's not full access, but uh, access to their, um, to their inbox. Um, and then we're asking to then on top of that pay us money after two weeks. That's a, that's a separate separate story. So uh, the way we deal with this uh, concern is we literally don't we, do, okay, we don't take possession of the email, so the email always stays on your server, on Gmail or whatever Exchange, you know, Office three sixty five, whatever you're using. And what we do is we request the email headers. So we essentially send a command to the mail server saying, hey, only send us the header. We look at the header and the header is, um, again, it's just the data that it's not the text of your email. It does contain the subject, but that's it. It's and subject the, and if we if we were to make a offline analogy, it's all the stuff that's on the envelope, not the inside exactly. contents of the envelope. So you might know that an, um, uh, by looking at an envelope that a piece of mail is going to the IRS, you might know who it's coming from. You you might even see the postage and get a sense of where it was uh, uh, put in which mailbox, but you're not getting to see people's financial data. I get that that's what you did. And I see that I see the security of that. It seems like what you're saying to me is, Andrew, once we explain that, these people who you're talking about trusted that we were honest about that. And did you do anything to win their trust? Um, that that was enough. Just explaining how how the product works, and um, yeah, that seemed to alleviate their concern. I mean, there, there's still some people today that, you know, for them it's a no no. Um, but okay, you yeah, didn't just, have your yeah, your system audited or something to show that this worked. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you did. Of course, we, we, in the, yeah, now we you audited. did. I think I asked for that, and now you did have your system audited, right? Sandbox, yeah. Sandbox has been audited since. In the beginning, it doesn't sound like you needed somebody to audit your software to make sure that it wasn't sure. reading contents, right? You're just saying in the beginning, it was a trusting community. Mm-hmm. They they weren't sending super private stuff by email anyway. They gave us access to the email. Got it. All right. I see how this worked out. The other thing that I see when I go to Sanebox is you guys have the most thought out like pricing pages I've ever seen. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> I mean- I almost imagine that if somebody wants to pay by the day, you'd allow them to pay by the day, right? <laughs> Talk about the, what are the different tiers? If I, if you could just describe what the different pricing is. Sure. So we have three price levels, um, and we, we've changed. We, in the beginning, we actually had one price point, and then we broke it down into three three levels, and it's you know the, your typical medium uh, or sorry, low, medium, high. Um, and vast majority of the people choose the medium plan just because that's the most value, which is typical pricing structure. Um, and then we, yeah, we can also do it by uh, monthly, annual, or two year. We, we don't do daily. 
Uh, no, you know what it is? You show it by the day, and that's partially why uh, it it it, uh, it came across that way to me. But you have more than those three. If someone were to look really carefully, they could see you also have what you call the appetizer plan. I don't want to get too deep into the pricing structure as it is today. I want to know, is that one of the additions that you brought in? At a time back then, 2010, 2011, when a lot of software companies felt software should be free, you monetize by having mm-hmm. a lot of users, maybe you do advertising or some clever something, get right? You came up, you decided to price. At what point did you add that to the equation and and how did it help growth? That's a really good point. Um, so I actually wrote a, a article on Mashable in 2012. I just I just pulled it up and it's uh, it was called Why the Freemium Model Doesn't Work. <laughs> um, yeah, so this was one of the things we rolled out, I think, pretty pretty quickly um what we realized is uh that there was a kind of a, i mean now people happily pay on the internet back then internet was supposed to be free right uh, and so and and so people were struggling with figuring out the freemium models and how to, you know, how to how to make it free and what to charge for and we kind of just decided that no, that's you know we're not going to do that. Um, and then what we also did is we I mean, we A/B test everything, and so we A/B tested um, the old pricing with the new pricing, and we saw that our conversion rate stayed the same, um, so people were happy to pay more. Um, and uh, we really continued experimenting with just about everything, and so that was one of the decisions that was every I mean there was some kind of thinking behind it, but then it was also testing. All right, so now you're coming out to to people who we now would call influencers, getting them to, to use the software and to talk about it. You're starting to play around with the pricing model for the company and taking a bold stand. That article that you wrote was a couple of years after you joined, you started talking about it. Um, uh, and I see that Mashable article up on my screen. How long did it take for the business to be profitable? Um, it took us a couple of years. Um, yeah, so we've from been 2010 to 2012, while. you were losing money. Like three or three years, yeah, and this was three, all a bootstrap business. Mm-hmm. How did you know that this was worth your time, worth Stewart's time, worth all this investment? What was it about it that made you say, "I'll stick with this"? Uh, we, we we really believed that this was a problem that needed to get solved. Um, there's, you know, we had a really passionate base of users who love, love, love the product and still do. And it was just a, you know, it was a rewarding uh, thing to be working on. And, you know, one of the things we also made from the beginning is we are kind of a, we're a very employee uh, focused company. So we've been remote from the beginning, uh, way before COVID. And we've, you know, we have a lot of people have kids. So we kind of make sure that the schedule is, uh, you know, flexible around around that. We've been getting together for a um, kind of like team building retreat for a week, uh, once a year in different places. Um, it's just we created a, a kind of a, a community and a culture within the company, uh, which extended to you know, our customers beyond the company, and it's just been really rewarding and uh, and fun. Stuart, who we've been talking about. Is that, you know, before I get into who he is, let me take a moment to talk about my first sponsor and then we'll get back into this story. My first sponsor is a company called HostGator. I've been asking, Dimitri, you know, on Twitter, people say that they really like my approach for uh, the ads for HostGator because I've been asking guests, if you had nothing but a HostGator account, didn't have money, didn't have your current business, and you had to start from scratch, what's a business that you would launch? They're finding that this creativity <laughs> is really helpful. 
Great. Um, okay. Um, manufactured, like really, really nice manufactured homes. Ah, you know what? I'm with you on that. But would you then start by manufacturing homes or would you start as being a resource for people who want to have their home manufactured? Um, a resource and a distributor. Got it. There's, okay. a, there's a lot of really interesting solutions out there. And Tell me why. Why, why, are you seeing, why are you seeing this as the interesting area to talk about? And then I'll ask you what you're seeing as interesting with creators. Um, sure. Well, homelessness is a huge problem like okay. in LA, for instance, one, yep. uh, for, uh, for one, one place. Um, everyone is, uh, just, we're going through such a massive change in the world. Yep. And uh, you can get like, a really, really, really nice manufactured home for $30,000 that looks not like a manufactured home. It's basically made out of a container, but it doesn't look like it. And you could have it delivered anywhere you want. Uh, just connect power and water to it, and you're you're out of home. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. You're saying this is an easier way to create. Why should we do the construction on the site when we could put it somewhere else where it's more efficient, easier to to transport? Um, I was even thinking bigger homes. I feel like yeah. there's an opportunity, right? For first of all, for maybe people don't want uh, um, offices in their home, but they want it to be on the property somewhere. So mm. a smaller type of uh, office set up outside in the backyard is interesting. Um, yeah. and I, I also think that we're starting to get better and better at manufacturing homes and then bring them in and assembling that some people might want to actually customize their place without working with an architect locally to do it. Okay. Yeah. So that's what you're seeing. It seems to me what you're saying is if this is the idea you want to have, uh, you want to run with, you want to create a resource to understand to show people what's available. So if there's someone in the market, you want to give them something to see who's interested and drawn in. You want to start taking an inbound request so that you can, I guess, sell them as leads to the to the current creators, right? To the manufacturers. How how would you run the business? Uh, I'm I'm looking I'm, at your I'm, face. I literally haven't thought about this since until you just asked me the question. So uh -huh. I'll, I'll uh, think out loud. I guess mm -hmm. um, I have a couple of uh, i already know a couple of uh, manufacturers who are okay. really really good and, and really well priced uh so i would probably do some kind of a semi-exclusive uh thing with them uh -huh. um and um you know just make it a streamlined experience for purchasing one of those things i would imagine if i were starting it i would want to know a little bit more and instead of doing research on my own in private i would do the research in public go to hostgator.com mixergy get a website hosted on wordpress and then Anytime I do some research, I might put it up on the site so that I have one place to keep all mm -hmm. of my notes, kind of like an Evernote or a Notion, but in public. And then once you have something in public, it's easier to reach out to other people. And maybe you reach out to homeowners and say, look, I'm writing the site because I'm trying to understand why people do it. What was your experience like? And again, report that back on the site. Talk to manufacturers, report that back on the site, and constantly have a place to, if you're looking to, to get a home built, press this button, fill out this form, and I'll introduce you to someone. But also for you as the person who's now in the in-between area trying to learn what to do in this market, you get that inbound information and you get to maybe follow up with them and say, how was wow. this? What are you looking for? And then maybe you become a, um, a manufacturer of homes, right? Is that what you're thinking of? Thank you. That's that. No, but now I am. <laughs> <laughs> but you like this approach. Yeah, that's a great approach. 
Okay. Oh. All right. If I've stimulated anything in you and you're out there listening to me, go to Word, uh, not WordPress. You can go to WordPress, frankly, go do it. But if you want a good place to host your WordPress site, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. They will literally, I'm not exaggerating, within five minutes, have you both signed up and paid for actually not just both, all three, signed up, paid for, and have your WordPress site up and running within five minutes, time it, tell me if I'm wrong. And of course, if you use that URL, you'll be giving me credit and you'll get a nice low price from them. Hostgator.com slash Mixergy. And I'm grateful to them for sponsoring. All right, Stuart, the co-founder, he founded Gamesville. Gamesville was sold to Lycos, the old search engine that competed with Yahoo. And uh, I don't think it actually survived as far as Google really to be a competitor for them. But they sold for about a quarter billion dollars what is Stuart, Stuart doing then starting this? And what does he need with SaneBox? Well, like every entrepreneur, we, we can't just sit still, <laughs> number one. Number two, it's a, we do want to make the world a not to be cliche, but going <laughs> to make the world a better place. I get it. I, so, I think we, we laugh yeah. through it because it seems so cliched, but it's true. We do want to make the world a better place, but still it seems like it's a smaller problem, smaller business. He created this massive business. Why didn't he say, Dimitri, you seem excited about this. Buy me out, go run it. You're smiling. Is that essentially what he did? No, because he's still listed no, as the no, founder no. on his LinkedIn profile. Yeah, absolutely. No, so Stuart and the CEO. Is, yeah, and he's also the CTO. Um, so he's, so excuse he's me, very... the president and founder is the official title on his LinkedIn profile. So he's still actively engaged in the business. This is his main yeah. gig. Why do you think he's still involved in the business considering everything else that he could be doing? Um, well, you know, again, all, we, we believe in the business. It's, it's been a really, you know, fun. There's, there's a, it's a great team. It's a great product. We're, con we're continuing to improve it every, not every day, but every week. But still, couldn't he um, just sell, couldn't he sell it to you? Couldn't you sell it to someone else? Have somebody else keep running it? You seem like you're pretty involved in the business. No, you're not. Well, so no, I mean, it's interesting. So, it would be the question of you know how, how much would we <laughs> would we need to sell it for, um, and how do we? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I, we we actually haven't really discussed it. It's it's been it hasn't hasn't actually come up. So we've been kind of continued to be. How many hours a week would you say you spend on it, and how many would you say Stuart spends on it? No, it's, it's a full time job for us. It is no. You guys just yeah. launched an app. I don't know why yeah. Sanebox would need its own app, but you guys decided we're going to launch an app, right? Yeah. Sure. Well, it's a um, it's an app because um, well, it's it's something that actually users requested, uh, and it's, it's just a it's a more mobile way of doing your digest. Okay, the That's digest. By the way, for anyone who's not in the Sanebox world, what it is is they will go through my messages, they'll lump them all into these different categories, and I only look at them once a day. I choose once a day. You could do it once an hour if that's what you want, but it will come to you on whatever schedule you want. And then um, you just get to decide which of this goes into your inbox, which goes into a black hole, which gets archived and so on. And, and basically you're handling it once a day. That's a digest. All right. I, I still don't understand why you guys are sticking with this so much. You could have sold it and moved on, but it seems like uh, you enjoy it. It's a mission that matters to you. Let's continue then with the story. Now you're involved in the business. You, as you said, helped grow it by talking to um, by talking to influencers. You started to play around with the conversion rates. You told our producer years ago, shortening the free model, actually the free trial period, actually increased conversion rates. You started creating pricing plans. You said you expect experimented with either one month trial or two week trial. And my sense is over the years that changes whether you get better conversions from one month trial and versus two weeks trial. Am I right about that? Those um, so aren't the actually, big ones. 
it used to be one month trial and we shortened it to two weeks and the conversion rate went up. Uh, and so we, we changed it to two weeks and we haven't actually re we haven't tested it again since then. Um, but it's just better to have it shorter. Uh, the thing what we realized is there, when we look at the conversion time or time to conversion um, kind of by hope, by cohort, uh, a lot of people convert long before the two week trial is over. And it seems like there's this kind of a aha moment when you sign up and you you're, you're, you can breathe, people are convinced very quickly. You don't need a lot of time. And actually, the more time you take for the trial, you might like have get second thoughts. That makes sense. And you guys also send out very chatty messages to convert people. It's, would you like to lose your sanity again? Or, hey, did you notice that you're about to get your whole inbox destroyed again? It's it's kind of fun and chatty and quick, uh, Reese. Okay, so that's Sarcastic. what you did. Um. How did you, how did you know what extra features to build on? Because from the beginning, you had a simple solution, mm -hmm. and you've kept it relatively simple. But you've added features. What's your process for taking inbound needs into account as you're creating new additions? Sure, it's pretty straightforward. So we we you know look for feedback from customers and we ask what what they want to build, um, and really over the time over, over the years we've we've done. If there is an email related feature that like somebody else has, uh, we've figured out how to incorporate it. And there's for one example? thing that we, uh, well, like for example, snoozing emails, right? And so since then, Gmail um, built the snooze functionality into Gmail. Um, there is the unsubscribe feature, kind of unsubscribe folder where you just drag an email to unsubscribe. Uh, so a lot of this Gmail has recently uh, done, um, or some of this Gmail has recently done. Um, but uh, the, the one really interesting thing about our product, which is, and this is a decision we made early on, we don't uh, re require you to use any kind of a plugin, any, down, in, install anything, download anything. We work with any provider, any email client, any device. And so all of our features are completely device, provider, client agnostic. And so whatever you, uh, and we get asked this question all the time, like, well, does this work on uh, Thunderbird 2.3 or something? The answer is always yes. There's not one client or device that we don't work on. Okay. I, there's one. Hey, hey.com by Basecamp is the only one that you guys don't work with because they've got their right. own protocol, right? Essentially. Right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but when you're looking for these features, are you just saying that somebody else come out with a snooze feature and we'll do that? We see followup.cc has an email address for each type of uh, snooze feature. Like I think it's one week at followup.cc. If you forward a message there, it snoozes your message for one week. And then a week later, it tosses it back in your inbox. Did you just say if they're doing it and they're getting traction, we'll copy it? Or was it more about customer conversations? No, it was it was really customer conversation. So tell me how we, you do that. What's your process for getting customer sure. conversations to know what to build? Sure. No, I mean, we, we get a lot of just inbound requests without asking for it. Just in our our support team gets filters inbound requests and we you know list everything and prioritize it. And um, we've also kind of reached out to customers proactively with uh, with a it's like, hey, what you know, are you interested in XYZ? Um, or sorry. X, Y, or Z, uh, and you know, help us help us decide what you want us to build. Um, yeah. And you're just looking for that. Was there one thing that you did this process with that failed? One idea that people asked you for that, in retrospect, was a mistake. 
Not, not really. I mean, there was one idea that we didn't do this process with <laughs> that was a mistake. What was that? So, um, well, so there's um, what we realized is that because we analyze your entire email history, right? Like, every, and your email is basically your professional social network, right? Because like on LinkedIn, for example, when you go on LinkedIn, yes, you're connected to a bunch of people. You don't, but you don't really know how well you know them. And with email, you know exactly, we know exactly, or let me rephrase that, our algorithms know exactly how well you know them. And so our idea was to uh, essentially kind of to, to use that data and figure out, and, and then kind of figure out what exactly, how to monetize it. And um, we were talking to LinkedIn, as a matter of fact, um, and went you know pretty far along in the conversations with them. And what they were looking to do is exactly what I described. I just add a, an extra uh, kind of like a strength of connection layer on top of LinkedIn, right? Because if I go on LinkedIn and I, I'm asking somebody for an intro, like my, my process is, is literally like, hey, do you mind introducing me to this person or do you not know them? Uh, you know, <laughs> do you know them well enough to right. introduce me? Did you just add them because they were adding everybody or do you have yeah. some personal connection to them? Yeah, I do that all the time too. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so so now, um, but, but for this this is one of the one of the applications for this. Uh, and anyway, so then uh, LinkedIn got acquired by Microsoft, and that that conversation died down. And then so we launched the product as a kind of as a standalone feature uh, that allows um, company, well, individuals and companies to kind of to find who it is that they know at, for example, at a certain company. Yeah. So if you're looking for somebody at, let's say, Coca Cola. You can just search by domain and see who you know, who you, within your organization knows and how well they know them. I, I know one venture capital firm that's basically built that internally for their system because what they want to do is know which of their partners knows the person they're trying to reach and then ask for that. Mm. I see you built it in. I see they created it for themselves because they thought it was so important. It's called Sane Connect. Why do you say mm -hmm. that didn't work out or what? how do you know it didn't work out? It hasn't. It hasn't been uh, used as much as we would want it to. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. I wonder if that's because it's it's in an app that's designed to keep me from making connections where I wouldn't think to look for this. Right. Well, yeah, we actually we kind of launched it as a separate um, site as well. Okay. And um, still didn't take off. Yeah. Didn't. <laughs> Granted, there were. Around that same time, there were a couple of other companies that were doing basically a very similar thing, uh, just kind of a connect, warm lead or warm connection gathering services, and uh, none of them did very well either. So it could just be the one of those problem, uh, problem, or sorry, solution without a problem. Uh, okay. Oh man, I can see because my I've had my Gmail account for over a dozen years. I just did a search for Microsoft to see who do I know at Microsoft. And I saw Suzanne Gliniak, who worked at my last company. She was there. Our last connection was 13 years ago. And nice. then I hit lookup to find information about her. I didn't get anything. What's supposed to come up when I hit lookup? Oh, um, we have an integration with full contact. Um, and it, uh, it should be pulling. I mean, if it's really dated, it might just be. Uh, Nothing, but not, it's supposed to yeah. pull that full contact information out. I wonder if it's because I, um, I've i got contact, I've got ad blockers, maybe. I don't know. I'll take mm. a look. So you've been doing this for years. A few years ago, you sent me a message saying, here, let me see if I can find it. Can I, can I read part of this? 
it, sure. I won't read anything personal. Um, okay. You said, our co- you've got a new company. It's called Wirecash. I, I don't know. It's a personal uh, message. I won't a, go too a, much. It's a company I was uh, a friend of mine I was advising. Oh, okay. So you um, weren't yeah. creating it. You were you were just yeah. advising the business. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Did you start anything else on the side? Uh, no. So yeah. this is your full focus. Your your everything is going into this. Where are you taking this? Where are you taking Sanebox? Well, we are. Um, let's see. We are going. We're moving along nicely, right? So we're continuing to optimize our features. We are continuing to just test all of our funnels and and improve our um, the user experience consistently. And so, you know, we're not looking to sell. Um, if if the right opportunity comes with a with a a company that's uh, that helps us just get more reach and get this in front of more people, uh, you know, we're definitely open to it. But that's not that's not the goal. The idea is um, this with more features based on real customer des- demands and problems, right? Sure, sure. Sorry, so could you, you see mean- your, could you see yourself doing this the same process of understanding user requests, understanding their problems, adding features in a disciplined way um, for the next ten years? Could you see this being a twenty year, two decade business for you? Thirty years, forty years? That's a good question. Uh, well, probably something would have to change. I mean, the market is moving, you know, pr- pretty fast, right? Or I guess. Slower than I expected, to be honest, but uh, it is moving. What do you mean? What's moving fast about the email market? Um, well, so so there's you know just the landscape is changing, right? So over the years, there were a gazillion different uh, companies that that started uh, that that attempt to solve some of what we're what we're doing, and usually they don't last more than six months. Um, so we've had. Um, uh, superhuman, right, which came up uh, a couple yep. of years ago, uh, and that's really been kind of maybe the only real. And I, I don't want to call them a competitor. We actually work great with them, um, but and no, the only other solution that is uh, that, that is. There's another one, system. Mailman. Andrew uh, Wilkinson wanted a feature like this. He wanted to be able to snooze his email. He partnered up with someone and he created Mailman. Do you know them? I see you're starting to type. You want to go take a look at them? Yeah. Sounds from G and U Mailman. Is that that one? I don't no, remember no, the no, URL. No. It's Mailman. Let me see. I, can, I bet you I can get it. Give me a second and I'll pull it up here. Mailman. Uh, every time I go into, well, I wonder if it's, the, I'll tell you who does compete with you well, and we'll come back to Mailman in a second. Um, oh, here we go. It's mailmanhq.com. Essentially, what they're trying to do is what you've done, right? Create this plugin Mm -hmm. for, I guess, Gmail at first. It's now just uh, pausing messages and eventually it'll add more. I think I'm just introducing you to this for the first time. Yeah, interesting. Thank you. Yeah, I I don't know enough about it. Obviously. Okay. <laughs> I just learned about it. So when you say that it's that it's developing, that it's heating up fast, I, I feel like it's basically got some lock-in right now. We know how email is going to work. Hey is transforming it to some degree, but 
they're on their own little island and they're not trying to beat Gmail. They're not trying to change Gmail. They're just trying to have their own island and have their own set of customers and be okay with it. What do you, I, I feel like at this point, it's just going to continue the way it is. It's a great product for people who have a lot of email. It's, I, I just don't see a, a strong enough replacement yet. Mm-hmm. It seems like this is where you are. Here's where the, right? This is, a, this is where you plan to be. Here's where I see a big problem for you. Yeah. Competition from Gmail itself. Yes, absolutely. Right? Used to do snooze, they added snooze. Used to be able to sort news automatically, they added that. How did that affect your business every time they added more of these features? I'll be honest with you, this, this, it hasn't. Um, and so when we went live, uh, about two months after our beta, uh, Gmail launched Priority Inbox. And at the time we had, I don't know, they're, they're double digit customers. Um, half of them left on that day. And uh, within a couple of weeks, most of them came back. And then since then, every time Gmail does a release, of, or you know, not a release, but upgrade, um, it was Gmail inbox or snoozing or just other, other features, we have a little bit of like a tiny, tiny um, leak of customers. And, but it, nothing really affects us that much, surprisingly. I, you know, every time it happens, we're like, oh my God, now, now they did it. And, and no. <laughs> It's not because. Um, well, it seems that there is um, there are a couple. Of, so when, when we ask our customers why do they prefer to pay us instead of using Gmail's free features, uh, what they say is that our well, actually, Gmail is also Microsoft. So Microsoft has or Office three hundred and sixty five have invested with Outlook. In, yep. In, with, yeah, with Outlook and just the, the you know, webmail Office three hundred and sixty five, and. Um, when like specifically with Microsoft, we kind of have a joke. Uh, what, uh, a Microsoft employee suggested this. So when somebody asked him, you know, how is this different from how Samebox different from like this called Focused Inbox? Uh, the person's answer, the Microsoft employee's answer is, well, well, do you actually know somebody who likes Focused Inbox? Um, and that's and that's kind of the thing. So it opens the. It's very very good free feature that's not really personalized, it's not really customizable. And so if you're looking for that basic feature that's not really customizable, great, you know, you can use Gmail um, or Office 365. And if you're looking for something more um, for- Isn't it customizable? Can't I take something out of the promotions tab, just drag it into the main inbox and then have Gmail automatically know? No, it doesn't do it that way. It doesn't, like it's sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And it's really, it's crazy, right? Like the, okay, so, Microsoft launched the at the time it was called uh, Clutter, which was their like, exactly right. their solution, just like the same later folder. Um, we had the, all of the engineers. I think that three engineers working on this product for three years, okay. and all of them were using uh, were our customers for that time. So like they just straight up copied it, and it's not. Um, it's just not really that. that Somehow, it's a more difficult problem than than it seems, and it seems that Microsoft and Google just basically take a global approach. So they look at the global set of rules for everyone and just apply it to uh, everyone. Right. That seems to be the case. All right, and I guess that I think that they're going to keep improving, and they're going to keep taking on new new. They're going to keep taking on your features. It seems like you're going to keep adding features, and they're going to be much more mass market. You're going to be much more niche. Someone like me who will get, because of this episode, I might get a hundred, me- well, I don't know if it's because of this, but I'll, I'll get, because I do this podcast, I get a bunch of inbound messages. I'm yeah. always going to have a bunch of inbound messages. 
you're going to have a customer, you're going to have customers like me constantly popping up and that's who you're going to service. Gmail is just going to be for everybody and they're going to have a different set of needs than people like me. All right. I get, I get where you're focused on this. Um, let me close out with a, two things. First, customers today, how are you getting people? I looked you up on SEMrush and it seems like it's all Google. Right? Um, it's not, uh, I don't think it's all Google now. What's it working uh, for? Are you guys buying ads? What's working today? Yeah, so we're doing a, a, a lot of podcast uh, sponsorships. So we should, okay. should talk about that. <laughs> hey, you guys have sponsored, um, I think you guys bought, uh, yeah, you, you bought an ad. You've got, a, you've got a thing of ads with us. Okay, great. Perfect. Um, so we've, we've, over the years, we've done a lot of different things. Um, we've, um, we were actually pretty creative with a lot of the things that we've done. So for example, we just did the first clubhouse sponsorship. Really? We just ruined, we just okay. ruined clubhouse forever. Who'd you sponsor on clubhouse? Um, near AL. Clever. Yeah. Because yeah. he's the guy who's all about being, um, unfocused and undistracted. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and so we, we do, you know, we do kind of ads and a lot of it is uh, referrals. A lot of it is um, you know, word of mouth still. Um, and yes, actually quite a fair amount of Google. Okay. All right. Um, actually, I, I was wrong. You guys had ads with us. I don't think you have them now, but I think you might've just expired a little while ago. I don't know, hmm. but well, there's, I've that. seen that you guys had interest in podcast advertising for a while. Mm -hmm. All right. So podcast advertising, Google, you guys big on SEO? Um, yeah, we we have some. I mean, the thing about SEO is everybody has this problem of too much mail, but people don't really go and search for a solution. Like people mm -hmm. just kind of assume that this is a just a fact of life, uh, and so SEO has never been like a huge. huge uh, that's why someone job. like Near, who's talking to people who have a problem, who are open to solutions, would be a good person to exactly. help. Okay, finally, quick tech support for me. You guys send me yes. a digest every day, right? I, mm -hmm. I just realized that my digest comes in at seven in the morning and two in the afternoon. And in both those times of the day, you tell me, here's the messages that we think you don't want to see or don't want to see immediately. A mm -hmm. uh, couple of things come to mind. Number one, I don't want to, I don't want to open up that message and tap it and then go over. Can I just look at my labels in my email yeah. app? I could just look at my labels in my email app and see what's automatically sorted into those labels and handle it that way without ever dealing with your site. Correct. And so you can actually turn off the digest if that. If so turn off the digest and, and then go to, yeah. what is it called? Sane news, which is one label for everything that you think is news and sane later for anything you think yep. I could take a look at later. That's all I have to take a look at and I'm done. Yep. And that's what I do too, by the way. I don't, I don't do the digest. Okay. One more. How do I automatically train SaneBox to forward my messages to, you guys have the black hole. I don't like the black hole because I don't want anything deleted. I'm someone who wants all my old email. If someone sends me spam, I want to know about it. So when I look to work with them 10 years later, I could say, Hey, look at the spam you sent me 10 years ago. Right. Is there a way for me to, to tell SaneBox to automatically archive a message from a sender? There is. How do I do without Whereas, leaving my email? Um, I'm not leaving my inbox. Oh, without leaving your inbox. No, the only thing I can think of to is to site. forward it into a folder. So yes, and we actually, we have that uh, feature as well. Um, so yeah, you so can I might set, create yeah, something like, set mm -hmm. set, uh, so what I would do is create a folder called, let's call it sane archive for archiving messages in sane box, right? Mm 
<laughs> don't call it Saint Archive because we actually have a oh, okay. All right. Called Saint Archive. How about if I just call it problems. Forget About It? You know, like that uh, old mob movie thing. Forget About nice. It, right? So that becomes my label. I attach that label to the next jerky piece of spam that comes to me from yep. someone. It goes out of my inbox into that label. How do I have all future messages from that person go into forget about it and not into my well, inbox? That just happens. When it automatically. So if I forward watch, something yeah. one time, it automatically yeah. gets trained to forward from that yeah. same sender. No, that's that's the whole point of Sandbox. Yeah, when you train oh, it once, it, it starts. I didn't realize that. I thought. Okay. All right. Yeah. Forget about it is my new folder. Anything that's junky, just forward there. Don't get upset. And you guys will automatically move. Oh, I love that. I had no idea that would happen. And then it doesn't go in my inbox. It just goes into that one folder. Yeah. yeah. All right. This has nice. been very worthwhile for me. We've <laughs> learned a bunch of things. Number I'm one, so Costa Rica is fun and inexpensive and beautiful. A little so beautiful. Don't, do not come here. I'm just kidding. Do not. <laughs> You're going to leave soon anyway, right? You're going to go. Where are you going to go next? Um, I'm going to have to go to Europe for uh, for a little bit. Um, I'll be I'll be back. You'll be so. back. So why are you saying don't come here? People would love to hang out with you. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just being funny. You're being a little bratty because you got such just, a I'm great trying, spot. I'm, 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 trying, I'm trying to say that it's a really good spot. So I'm, I'm just you want to keep it for yourself. Everyone. Exactly. I, I like that your internet has stayed up stable. A lot of times when people are in fun spots, their internet stinks. Um, that's, that's one why. of the things about this place too. Internet's great. All the infrastructure is great. And you get to go and hang out with other people that you like there? Yes. They speak English and everything yeah. where you go hang out yes. at night? Yeah. Yes. All right. Like, they since... speak more English here than Spanish. It's crazy. I don't know why we didn't think Costa Rica. Okay. Um, so we learned that. We learned also that any that uh, manufacturing houses on basically in a factory and then <laughs> bring them over to homeless people or other people, uh, maybe people who are working from home is a great idea. And if you want to get started. I'm thinking of that. Yeah. <laughs> you're literally thinking of starting that business. Oh, no. I'm thinking of getting one. Um, for where? Just like. Because it's it's again it's for thirty thousand you have a really nice house like it's beautiful. You know what I've been liking? I like the idea of I just don't I I wanted to implement this and I don't have the time because I want to leave San Francisco. But if you go about two hours outside of San Francisco, there's a bunch of empty land. Imagine you buy a bunch of that empty land and then you put five of these things that you're talking about. Exactly. Let's say ten of them. Right now you've got a place to just go hang out. And people who want to get away and get to nature can go to nature. There's Starlink now that will bring internet to more parts of the world. So you don't even have to say, get away from the internet. You can say, get away from the day-to-day -day in this beautiful area. You will live in what used to be a shipping container, which has got some cachet to it and an interesting experience associated with it. All right. Yeah. I think we've covered a lot is the here. only issue in the U.S. You just have to keep, keep a, Zoning. Keep an eye on that. Zoning. Yeah, I saw that. That's a pain in the ass, man. Yeah. Especially here in uh, in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. All right. HostGator, thank you for helping us bring up that idea. If anyone out there wants to run with any of these ideas and you need a website, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. Number two, if you like the way that I, I lead conversations, you should know Unbounce has basically paid me to go and write something about how I get people to have good conversations and you could get it for free. You don't even need to give an email address. You just go to unbounce.com slash Mixergy. And uh, finally, SaneBox. I, I don't know if the the old URL that you guys gave us still works, but it's at SaneBox.com slash Mixergy, I imagine. Let me see. SaneBox.com slash. I'll double check. If it, if it doesn't work, I'll make sure it works. You just make it work. Yeah, it does work right now, I think. So yeah, it does work. SaneBox.com slash Mixergy still works. Um, I think you get a discount, right? If you um, No, no. I. Oh. I didn't realize well, you guys offer discounts. No, there's no discount. What they get is oh, like they get a free long trial on it. Okay. 
Okay. There you go. We'll, we'll, we'll add a little discount. To it. We'll, you will we'll make it work. I don't even, I, all right, do it, do whatever works for you. And if anyone out there is, uh, ends up being a customer because of this, send me an email. Let me know. I have no problem now getting email and giving out my email address. It's Andrew at mixergy.com. Dude, Dimitri, yesterday, somebody, this guy, Paul, he emails me, he goes, I don't know if you even mean it, but thanks so much for saying you'd be open to having conversations with your audience. And then he told me his problem. He's investing a bunch of money in this company. He has a question. He couldn't believe that he could get on a call with me fast. He can because because I'm always, not always, I try to be as open as possible to my audience. All right, we've run over time. Dimitri, thanks so much for being here. Thank you all for listening. Bye, everyone.